God bless you. God bless you. God bless even you. Welcome to the Midweek Power Nugget where 15 minutes of your day can change, will change. If you allow God to have 15 minutes of your morning, he can transform everything that you have ever experienced in your life. Just a moment with the word of the Lord can transform what you knew into what you will now believe. So grateful to God that he has given us another moment in this life's journey, another moment to experience him, another moment to delve into his word, another moment to allow the Holy Ghost to pervade our lives. Let us pray. Our Father and our Lord, we do thank you. We thank you for this day, a day we've never seen before, a day we've never experienced before. We thank you, God, for keeping us, for sustaining us, for loving us, for providing for us, for protecting us, God. We thank you that you've allowed us to go through our various duties and tasks each day, some of us after seeing each other on Sunday and some of us after not seeing each other for a while. You've kept us, God, and we would be remiss if we just continued on in our uh, weekly uh, routine, our weekly programming, and not acknowledge the goodness of you. God, we thank you, God, for providing for us and, 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 and doing things, God, that sometimes we thought were insurmountable, we thought were impossible. We're not just talking about giving us food on our table. Well, we're talking about keeping us in our right mind, God, keeping our mouth shut when we wanted to just spew out. God, you have been good to us. And so, God, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, that your word teaches us, it changes us, it, it chastises us. We thank you, God, that it gives us hope, that it gives us uh, a glimpse into the future, that it gives peace in a time of chaos. We thank you, God, that your word is what it says it is. It is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path. We thank you, God, that your word gives us the roadmap, it gives us the guidelines, it gives us our instructions on how to live this, uh, this time called life, the life that really you own. You own us. You own our lives. We are just stewards of it. So, God, now as you give us our marching orders for today, God, I pray that we would wake up enough to be able to hear your word, God, that not just our ears will be awakened, but, God, that our minds and our spirits will be awakened to hear what you have to say. And, God, let he that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church because we are the church of the living God. God, we love you today and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, again, I thank God for every remembrance of you, as the Apostle Paul said in the Word of God. On this morning, our travels take us to what is normally considered uh, a passage uh, near Easter. You hear it a lot of times near Easter, but it's where God sent me on today. He sent me to the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter. And we are going to start at the 19th verse. We're going to concentrate on the 24th through the 29th verse, but we're going to start back at the 19th verse to give it context. 
This is right after Jesus has resurrected, and he was uh, approaching the location where the disciples were. So John, the 20th chapter, starting at the 19th verse, from the New American Standard Bible, it reads as follows, So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Verse 24, But Thomas one of the twelve, named Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, the disciples were again inside, and Thomas w with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. He, then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here with your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. And the word of the Lord is blessed. On this morning, I want to talk about seeing and believing. Seeing and believing. You all, we are in a time, we are in a season where doubt seems to be on the menu. It's on the programming of every human being. It is not unusual to have doubt. It is, unusual, it is not unusual for someone to question the truth. And so we're in a season where even if things are exactly as they are, someone can come along and question the truth. We've seen that a lot uh, as it relates to election uh, denial. Those that deny the validity or the, uh, the truthfulness of voting and the results of that voting. We've heard it since 2020 uh, that because things turned out a certain way, there had to be some sort of um, some sort of, of of you know interruption to the confirmation process that everything is everything. 
And so doubt and non-believing are considered to be fully human. It's, 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 it's supposed to be natural. That's what people say. Well, it's, it's, it's just natural for you not to believe that things will go well. I was talking to a young man whose uh, wife, they haven't even been married a full year. His wife is, is in the hospital, and she's been under morphine for, for several days, um, trying to figure out where excruciating pain has come from. And now that they've determined where it's come from, now she'll be undergoing surgery. And this young man who is a young husband who is trying to keep watch and take care of his wife and, and sit there and, and, and keep watch over her as she's uh, uh, out of consciousness, in and out of consciousness on, on, on very hard painkillers, even though the procedure that they are going to do to most doctors are fairly root, it's a fairly routine procedure. He is full of doubt. Even though the doctors have uh, studied for this, and even though probably in the course of their career, for the doctors that have been assigned to her, they probably have done thousands or tens of thousands of the same type of surgery. This young husband is still full of doubt. Doubt is a part of the human experience. But we have to take into consideration that when we are talking about God, there's nothing about doubt that's good. Certainly in this life, you know, there, there's this saying that says trust but verify. Yes, yeah, somebody says that this is what it is. And, and we want to trust them. But it's always good to verify because in this human life, we deal with human frailty. We deal with human fallibility. In other words, we aren't perfect. We will mess up. We will get stuff wrong. So trusting and uh, but verifying is just ensuring to the best of your ability that what was said, what is put in place, what you are looking at is to be taken as truth, is to be taken for face value. Well, when it comes to God and when it comes to the word of God, there is nothing about doubting that is good. You can doubt the factual truths of the word of God, just like we see that Thomas doubted the fact of the resurrection. But there's nothing about doubt that is good. You know, we, we could take some steps back and, and deal with Thomas as it relates to other scriptures that we heard. We didn't hear about Thomas very often. But Thomas only speaks in the, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We only see Thomas speaking in the gospel of John. The first time he speaks is in John 11 and 16. 
when Lazarus had uh, recently died and, and Jesus was on his way to Judea to see about him and the apostles didn't want to go back. And Thomas speaks up after Jesus says, I'm going and says, let us also go that we may die with him. They knew that Jesus' life could be in danger, but Thomas was the only one that spoke up and said, let us go. If he's going to die, we might as well die with him. He speaks again in, in John 14 and 5. And, and then Jesus had just explained that he was going to go away. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. You all know that passage of scripture. He said that where I am, you can come and I will receive you into myself. And Thomas reacts by saying, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? In other words, how can we get to where you're going? We don't know where you're going, and we don't know the roadmap to get there. Have you, in, have you picked up something about Thomas? Thomas is challenged. He wants to believe, but he's challenged in his belief. He's doubting about the way. Everything that it sounds, it sounds like everything that Thomas is saying is not necessarily speaking with the confidence of one who has walked with Jesus. So now here it is that Jesus was crucified. They, the, those disciples that uh, were strong enough and were brave enough to be at the foot of the cross and witness the crucifixion of Jesus and, and, and see him give up the ghost. Thomas was a group of was within the group of the disciples that were fearful and didn't want to come out. So here comes Thomas after the disciples have seen him and said, we've seen the Lord. He said, not until I could put my fingers in the place of the nails, not until I could put my hand in the side, I will not believe. But then once he sees Jesus and once Jesus goes directly to Thomas, after not being there and hearing what Thomas says, and says, here, reach here with your finger and see my hands. Take your hand, put it in my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believe. And then he says, now I believe, my Lord, my God. Jesus says, so you have to see me to believe it? Blessed are they who don't see and yet believe. So the question on this morning is, what else does God have to show you to believe? What else does he have to show you? to have you believe that what his word is saying is true. He's already come through for you. You can recite in your history how God has come through when you didn't know how you were going to come out. What more does God need to show you? What more does God need to prove to you that he is more than able to do? You all the word of God is true. All the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Don't have to see it to believe it. But see it and believe it. Let's pray. Our gracious Father and our Lord, we thank you now, God. And we thank you, God, that you don't toss us out. You don't just discard us because we Tend, tend to doubt periodically. God, help our unbelief, as the disciples said. Increase our faith. 
Help us to believe that what you say is true. Help us to to crowd out all the other voices and focus in on yours. As we go through this day today, God, let us hear your voice. Let us be in tune to your voice that we may, quote, unquote, see and believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless each and every one of you. Have an amazingly God-blessed day. In Jesus' name.